Let's get a mic check. Mic check, please. Testing. One, two, three. Welcome to the May Long Weekend edition of the Listen Here podcast. It's May 18th, 2020. We have a special guest in studio today, Grace Pan. Okay, here is a deep dive with Grace. So Grace, we've talked about this a little bit. And I'm going to know some of the, this information, but I do want to capture it just for my journal and <laughs> for my memory, and just to <laughs> learn how to be a better interviewer. So here's what I know about you. You came to Canada when you were 10. Mm-hmm. Walk me through what your memory is of the moment you were told you're moving to a different country oh. and how it all unfolded. Um... So, when I was about 9 or 10, um, there was this TV show, and it was from Korea, that my mom and I used to binge watch at night. But they, I mean, by binge watch, I mean, she let me go to bed at 11 instead of 9, because it started at, it's two episodes back to back every I'm shocked that you were ever allowed to stay up that late. (laughs) To watch that TV show? Oh yeah, it was a hell of a good show. Can't remember the name, uh, but it was a drama series. And so I really wanted to visit Korea. I love the outfits. I love their hair. And I love that they all have these cute little keychains with their bags. And if, as a nine-year-old girl, I just love the sparkly things that they, like the little gadgets in the kitchens. I just thought they were just such, it's such a cool country. And so my mom said that we would go like next year or next year. And then... A few months before we moved, she said that we're actually going to Canada. So instead of Korea, we're going to Canada. I said, but what about Korea? She said, well, we're actually moving to Canada. I said, but what about Korea? <laughs> and so I just remember going to school for the last day. And, um, you know, people were like, oh, Grace is moving. Because that wasn't, like, a thing back then. Like, people thought it was, like, oh, so it was such a, like, different family if you have any association with any North American countries and back then my aunt was already in Canada so people always thought we were like this like different family like more affluent more wealthy more what, what? yeah I guess more just like people like in China you don't really speak a second language risk takers like it, it's not a risk-taking culture uh, so it's it's you more eat. like you are just so different you're so cool oh yeah like okay. you're not if you speak a second language or you know English it's you're just like the coolest person ever okay um, and so we, I mean, I just thought it was like a disappointment because my mom said we would go to Korea for a summer and, um, we ended up coming to this place called Canada. So came, um, I just didn't really understand it until, you know, when you're saying goodbye to my, I was saying goodbye to my cousins and then we all kind of just like cried because I wasn't sure when I was coming back. And as a kid, it's like, I'm moving, then I'm never coming back. It's so hard. Like, how do adults buy plane tickets? And it's not that easy to, you know, visit yeah. a place. Yeah. It, it's just an insane idea. And I thought I'd never see my friends and family again. So, um, I mean, little did I know that I would go back next summer. <laughs> so, and this you, is, to put a timestamp on this, about 2006? Seven. 2007, okay. Um, then, um, I mean, at the airport, it was, I mean, I saw my aunt and my uncle, it just, I don't know, like, I just felt like, okay, what's 
next? Like, what, what's, what's happening? And you kind of take it day by day and then go through ESL class and you get into school that looks like a children's playground because in China's schools didn't look like that. And, um, you know, I was just... What I, did they look like? They were just desks and concrete floors um, and maybe some drawings that kids have on the walls. But it's not, you know, you don't get puzzles on the floor. You don't get carpets. You don't Did the buildings look like apartments? Like they were tall and skinny? Or? Uh, no, they were, uh, they were like, they were similar to our, like, schools okay. here. Yeah. Buildings. So I remember having to go to the, the special place to take a math test because I came when I was in grade four, but I skipped a grade because of the year, like, it's here. You calculate it from September to September versus in China's January to December. Yeah, which makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, so I remember the other way around. So I just remember thinking that, wow, math is so easy. And then also being weirded out by the fact that a teacher can just say a word and people know how to spell it. I was like, how do they know how to spell this? I don't know how to spell this. And um, I remember actually meeting my ESL teacher and she was trying to get, I was reading this book about squirrel and I just couldn't say squirrel. Like every time the word squirrel came up, I just, I had to go, um, and the, squirrel, squirrel, and she was very amazed at the fact that I knew what KFC was because she thought I lived in some village, I'm sure. So yeah, those are my first memories. Okay, and so I've never heard that about um, Korea being a place no, that you know thought about. Does Korea have a more advanced? Uh, for back then, did they have more advanced entertainment options? Like, is that where you got your TV shows from? Um, some like there was a lot. Of, I remember as a kid that there were a lot of actually TV shows or Korean songs. I think K-pop, K-pop has yeah. only evolved to be even more popular. Um, but it's only been recently adopted or accepted by the North American culture. Um, but back then, yeah, K-pop for sure. But I didn't really invest time into K-pop. So is Korea, I wonder if Korea is the Hollywood of Asia. I, I, you know, I don't know, but I feel like it is pretty darn close. That would explain Samsung. It's pretty darn close. They are so good at just dancing and entertaining and they all look so, I mean... They are just a whole bunch of people who look the same. Yeah, and, and that would explain why. Isn't it Korea where um, all the like where people go for plastic surgery and yes. where they have all the solutions? You're not publishing this, right? Why would that? Why could I not say that? Huh? Why could I not say that? Well, you're not publishing this, right? Well, so far I am. Are we saying anything that's inappropriate? I don't want to talk about Korea when I don't really, I've never been to the country. I don't know about the country. And I'm saying like, oh, yeah, people like this. Listen, I can't limit the things I talk about to places that I've been to or this podcast okay. is only going to have one season. Okay, cool. I've given Sorry, you, your question. I've given you editorial control. You can um, choose what gets published. Okay, so this is, this is new to me. This is why I'm doing this. This is very interesting. So Korea could possibly be the Hollywood of Asia. That's how my dad always described it. And maybe Japan too because... Japan is where most electronics were made, right? They would be creating electronics for people yeah. who are consuming it. Yeah, I mean, Japan is just such an intelligent society. Wow. I mean, I think they're you, the highest... Actually, we, now we cannot publish this. You will be on the Death Star list for Chinese government. Probably, but they are... I'll I think they're the all. I think they're just a different world. 
they're respectful of each other. They are so serious about their environmental impact. Mm -hmm. They are food storage. Just you, if you drop a wallet, no one is gonna. That's just unheard of. They're gonna run back and return it to you. Or if you come back the next day, it's still gonna be there laying on the floor. They're I don't like they're a whole other society. Like we're down here where those who are listening. My hands below the chair and yeah. Japanese and I'm, wow. And so I guess that is what Singapore, like that's what Singapore is known for, right? Just no crime. Yeah, I mean, Singapore, yes, but it's not as technologically advanced. I haven't been to Japan, but for my family members who have all gone to Japan without me, um, they think Japan is just a whole other society. Like it's like a whole different world. Wow. Interesting. That's super interesting. Yeah. I'm glad we started this. Uh, the more you see. Yeah, the more you see. Well, and we, I think we have plans to visit there. Yes. Or the hope to visit there. Yeah, I, I, would, I would love to see Singapore and Japan. Okay, so that gets us to... Um, uh, you jump in a plane. You What airport, what city would you have left from in Japan? Beijing. Oh. Beijing? Or from China, you mean. Tianjin. From China, yeah. Beijing. See, another pronoun that I messed up. Is that a pronoun? What did I say? China instead of Japan? You said Japan. Yeah, that's a, well, yeah, that's a pronoun. Uh, the proper place. Pronoun. Um, For those who cannot see, Brian's rubbing his face. Yeah, wondering about when dementia is going to settle in. Okay, so uh, you leave Beijing or Tianjin? Beijing. Beijing. And you arrive at Pearson. 2007. Yeah. Boston Bruins have just won the Stanley Cup. I'm sure that was very topical. I'm sure that was just so Not irrelevant in my yeah. life. Yeah. What month was it? What month did you land? March. March. So, uh, did you start going to school? Yeah, like it was March April? break. Yeah. Okay. And I went to school. Yeah. Grade four. Grade five. Grade five. And you were taking English as a second language, ESL, on weekends with your mom and dad. They also did not speak English, no, or did I they kind of speak English? I took English at school. I did not take actual English courses. Um, my mom did not speak English, but my dad knew a little bit of English. And he used to te teach me English when I was in China. Oh, I see. And so uh, you started learning language through school and through TV? Or through... Internet? Yeah, TV. Uh, Family Movies. Channel was a big one. YTV. Right. Um, and also from songs, I would just print out lyrics yeah. and sing along to these songs and not really know what they mean. And Lady Gaga? Uh, Lady Gaga was after. It was really the <laughs> Disney ones first, like Hannah Montana, oh, yes. Selena Gomez, and then it was, yeah, um, Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, um, and then it got into like rap, you know, Usher, Jason Derulo. How long did it take before you were bilingual? You could, you, could, you could learn in English, you could carry on conversations, you could go shopping and be comfortable. A year and a half tops. Was, That's amazing. It's, I think, so by the time I was in grade seven, I was definitely out. I think midway grades, I, I, was, I, I was definitely in grade ESL because I arrived in March, so for the rest of the school year, so three months I was in ESL. For grade six, I'm pretty sure I was in ESL. 
In grade seven, I was out of ESL. And that's because of your age. You're just so young, you just absorb it quickly. Um, that definitely plays, they say your tongue locks in at age 10, 11, 10 or 11. But I also know kids who also arrived the same year that I did, and they cannot speak English, English to this day. Do they still live in Toronto? Mm -hmm. And they just stay in Markham and just live within the Chinese community? I lived in within the Chinese community. No, live, I mean, go to a store that only that people will only... But that's what I did too. Like, we all have yeah. the same. It's just, I think, to think about it, it's when you hang out with friends, if you only, you know, talk to people who spoke your native language. I mean, my friend group, there, weren't, there was only one girl who spoke Mandarin. And so I kind of had to force myself. But MSN came along and I had to chat with people over yeah. MSN. Yeah. And I just... I'm sure it said things that did not make any sense. <laughs> like Cam and there was on a, Modern Family. Yeah, I mean, and there was a game called Gaia World or Gaia, whatever. And so it's one of those games, I'm sure it's not allowed now for kids, but you have an avatar, you're in this world, you're battling, you're chatting with strangers online. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I remember two years later, they only had like um, pre-made responses. You can never type your own messages anymore. Oh, I'm sure there's a whole issue in there. Yeah. But I remember, and I had to, I had to chat with people online, like, I'm going to buy this land or sell that. So I, I think those little things really helped. And um, I watched a lot of shows. That's a big one. I watched a lot. I s printed out a whole stack of lyrics. Oh, yeah. I knew them by heart. It was, that's definitely. Um, yeah, I think the, all those things combined. It was quick. They did tell me that was really quick. Um. I mean, I'm no, by no means, you know, English isn't, my English isn't perfect. I still, I have trouble reading. I notice in university that, you know, for really long cases, I have a really tough time just understanding it when it's not everyday language. So that's something I'm working on, but I just read it more. That's really interesting. I really don't know anybody who came to Canada English wasn't their first language, so it's, it's uh, interesting to hear that. I've never asked you. Some some of that information is new to me, and I've known you. Almost two years. Eight, yeah, 18 or 20 months. Oh, super interesting. And so, um, when you came to Canada, how did you decide that you were going to go into business and go to York? Oh, have we ever talked about this? Well, how did you decide about what you were going to do after high school? Oh, my gosh. I hope... No kid ever goes through what I went through. I mean, I got lucky. Um, I, given just, I don't want to say that it was fast, but my parents didn't expect me to learn English so quickly and actually blend in with people locally and have friends and get invited to birthday parties and, you know, have joint school clubs and things. They just never expected that because the biggest challenge that my aunt was even saying that that she notices were her co-workers, it's the kids never really blend in with the society here. It's just tough, especially back then, there's such a big disconnect. Um, culturally, it's different, and the way people live is different. And it's really hard to make friends that way. So my parents always have- In China, life. people live differently, meaning they live in a tower with no yards, and there's no- Well, that too, but say, the way Say you're at a restaurant, even things like saying please and thank you. You don't really do that in China. You express love differently. You show courtesy differently. Um, he, 
Um, is that is that because culture? it's a class system? You don't say thank you to a server because they're so beneath Not, you? No. Um, maybe it could be original, but the way that I think if you've ever been to a country and you feel like people are looking at you, that is why because there's little things that you do, or maybe you would serve other people first always in Chinese culture, or you would maybe. You don't really hug, and those are just the things that you. It, it's hard to maybe for a kid to understand or get used to later on. Let's say if you move to France, people do the bees all the time, like kiss on both cheeks, and you never they don't hug. I mean now they kind of do, like for friends. I mean I hug my friends, but um, it, that's why they say it's really hard to embed, and especially with the English barrier, you don't make friends, and you start to have these sort of emotional barriers as a child, and. There's a lot of complex issues when you move a kid after you know eight nine years old. It's just what I've been told, and my parents never really had high hopes in me. They this kind of hope you know I just remember them telling me, oh as long as we get it into college, it'll be good. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean not that college is bad. College is really where you get the hands-on skills, but for traditional I think Chinese parents they think college is not as good as you can't find a job or something like that, which is not true. Um, so in high school, grade nine, I, I did not do very good in my classes. I mean, 70s, didn't really get 80s or anything like that. Um, grade 10, um, I was, I, ha I hated my math teacher because he was just very, puts people down and then I wanted to prove him wrong. And then, um, I did well in his class. I got like high 80s or something. And that was like, whoa, I can do this. Like I started to believe in myself. Like grade 11 kicks in, they talk about universities and options, you start thinking. And I've, my family's always kind of known that I was gonna get into something creative. Right. I've always been drawing yep. and- Taking photos. Photos and saying, oh, grade 10 was when I got my first camera. And I made my first short film featuring my couple friends. Um, Friends who were couples? A, a, a pair of couple. Sorry, a couple. And they were both my friends. And it went like, it got 700 views overnight. And it was all. Like a boy and a girl? Or, okay, yeah. Got 700 views, which was a big deal. This was a prom. Was it a prom request or something? No, this was just a short film music video that I wrote oh, okay. for a song. And then it got 700 views overnight. I didn't know like, this. Oh, yeah. And then. YouTube? On YouTube. Yeah. And people all over school watched it because they were a popular couple. So was it a story? Like, was it, was it have a script? Oh, yeah. I like wrote, a day in the life of No, Jimmy it was a Sally. song called um, If It Kills Me by Jason something. I'll play it for you. And I wrote the storyboard and got them over after school and we filmed it. And everybody at school knew about it. This was in grade 10. And people were suddenly like stopping me at school and saying, oh, I watched your video, it was so cool. And it was, you know, and I was like, oh, I then kind of started to become known as this video person at school yeah. or this creative person. And people started coming to me for stuff. And then that's in grade 11, um, I started doing well in my classes. I just got so close to my teachers and I was not afraid to ask questions. I just didn't care. And then I was starting to lead clubs, school clubs, and I started knowing... <laughs> this is of no surprise to me. <laughs> guidance, what? <laughs> guidance counselors, the principal knew me. 
I made a whole, I was part of this team. I lobbied the city government for higher tax I break. didn't do much of the work, but there was a whole 10-year anniversary for the high school. And, <laughs> you know, there was a gala, and we got invited. <laughs> I forgot about all of this. And then I also ran for publicity for the city council, because people were like, you need to run for this. Um, I didn't get it, but there was a whole drama thing because people were like, Grace should have gotten it, and there was like, something was rigged, and anyways. But in grade 12, I ended up doing all the publicity work anyways. People knew me as like the publicity chair, mm -hmm. like unofficially. Yeah. Um, actually, also in grade 11 was, I think I started understanding the politics and knowing your friends and, you know, getting a little, having a little bit of friends in every single group and play your games right and... Um, then I made, um, what was, yeah, in, in grade 11, definitely knew I was, I started doing, like, I was like, oh, maybe interior designing, maybe I should study film, and that was, in grade 10, my cousin was applying for university, and he went into film school, so I was like, oh, maybe At Ryerson? I, no, at York. Okay. I was like, oh, maybe I can do that, and then I was so good at math, I just, like, I don't know, I have no idea what the fuck happened, so I was like, oh, maybe I can go into, like, a real career, you know, like actual science or accounting or that AFM program at Waterloo. Like, my mom started going to these seminars so that just with other parents just to know what programs are out there and knowing averages. And she was like, "You just need a ninety. You have like, you're you're on your way to mid nineties and then midterms. I was ninety six in grade twelve, and I had I was in I think three clubs. I founded a club." And then I was doing these promposal videos for my friends, doing homework till like 12, 1 a.m. and then go to school and um, wrote these application essays. It was just a, like, I don't know how the fuck I did that. And then um, I applied to 11 programs. So I think, I don't know about now, but the government pays for three of your programs. And then the rest you have to pay like an additional few hundred bucks. The applications. Yeah. yeah. I applied to 11 because I just... I was even though I had the marks, I just doubted myself so much. And um, my mom said, you know what, just we'll buy comfort, like we'll apply to like all these backups. Just so I applied to like mostly math programs, actual science at Waterloo, like three pro top programs at Waterloo. I applied to this like creative, I didn't apply for any creative programs because I realized I can just do that on the side. And then all these back um, backups. And then my mom's like, hey, there's like this thing called the business school. I think I was like, ew, but everybody's going to business. Back then, when people didn't know what they were going to do, they went into business. Really? Wow, mm -hmm. okay. But it was not like business school, commerce school. It's just business programs. Like, right. It's oh, so yeah. overrated. Everybody's going to business school. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to become one of those like kids. business even, administration. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. I was like, I don't even know what business is. I've never taken any business courses in high school. I was like, well, you're applying to 10 programs. You might as well just apply to this one. Just one other essay. Like, just do it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so I did it. It was not just one essay. There was a whole, like, application process. And then um, someone in student council helped me because he got into school and he was um, reading over my application essay. And then um, I found out that I got in. After this math test. This is at York? This is the one at York. Yeah. And I found out that I got into the business program. When actually, the more I learned about the school, the more I, after I applied, the more I wanted to go. And I realized, oh, I thank God I applied for it. And um, I got into the Waterloo ones. Like, I got into everything. But then I remember finding out about getting into Schulich. Because after this math test, 
I just had an inkling feeling. And then Taha, who was the guy who went to Shuli, texted me. He said, hey, it's the second round. The results are out. I was like, okay. So I logged on and it said, admitted. And I just started, like, I was, like, kind of in shock because I never thought I would ever be able to take something like that. Because, you know, my mom, actually a family friend, got into that program. My mom was so envious. I was like, she's set. She's set for life. She's just, you know, she's in Canada's number one, like, whatever. She's set for life. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, why am I never going to be able to do that? It just seemed like such an impossible, I don't know, I don't know what the fuck she's doing now. She's definitely not set for life. Um, then... Yeah, I got into business and I realized that I can do, we had, I mean, many discussions. Um, the biggest one was that it's close to home. I still get to live on res and I get to um, do extracurriculars on the side, which I've always loved. Your side hustles? I didn't know what side hustles were, <laughs> but I wanted to do like clubs. Yep. And uh, which I didn't realize, I didn't want to be in a school club. And also I met this student teacher for my data class who was in actuarial science, one of the programs that I wanted to go into. And I asked him about his, you know, job, and he just seemed so lifeless. I said, that's not me. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to scam older people into buying insurance. So. Yes, that, is the, that is the reputation. Yeah. I ducked the fuck out. Oh, really? Yeah. So parts of that story I did know, but I did not know the parts about uh, the early parts. So uh, thank you for sharing. <laughs> we'll end this segment now, and we'll be right back. Welcome to episode three. We've been joined in studio with by Grace Pan. It's uh, Monday of the August long weekend. May long weekend. May long weekend. May 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly doesn't feel like the August long weekend. I don't know why. I it's said May that. long weekend. I know. That's why I don't know why I thought it would be the August long weekend. So it's the May long weekend. Doesn't feel like 2020. It's, it's raining. 13 degrees, gray, misty, not, does not feel like spring really. Did you actually check the weather today? Uh, it was going to be like in the teens all weekend and raining. The rain has stopped though. So, my guest today is Grace, and uh, she brings a different perspective to my life because she's grown up in a different generation. She's very involved in social media. Which is really interesting to me. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about her early entry into Instagram. And uh, what she learned and what skills she developed and what natural skills she had from when she was raised as a child. And how that evolved into an Instagram account of 15, 16, 17, 18,000. And getting likes, more likes than her friends and counterparts of the day. So now she's a savvy veteran, and we are going to uh, start our first segment talking about Grace and social media. All right, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for being here. So where do we start? I'll, I'll sit back, and you can give me the uh, summary version of how Instagram was introduced into your life and how you decided to start using it. Um, well, Instagram was launched when I was in high school, so everybody had an account, but we were all using the classic Instagram filters. It was use the Instagram app to use its filters. 
And so it's never for really... for selfies. Like well, you're using, yeah, yeah. So to to make your skin look different or your hair look better or something. Or look like it's a seventies film photo or look. Oh, like so like layers on like top. Like okay. yep. to make it look aesthetically pleasing. Right. So um, that's what everybody did, and nobody really, I guess, at that time challenged the status quo of what people do now, which is edit on a different program and then upload that picture that wasn't edited on Instagram. So I would say the Instagram's editing tool is probably not very useful or not used very often now, except for maybe by six-year-old bakers and grandmas. Or oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. So Instagram print. hasn't kept up the pace or decided it isn't in their best interest to be providing the filters and the add-on yeah, tools. And I, I think the filters are still there. I just don't think they really... Um, time over time decided that you know it's not really something they want to invest their energy into until Instagram stories which we can talk about a little later with the filters and all that stuff but you know, everybody's photos look the same and back then what bloggers really meant was you upload it was very niche which is what people say now but it, that back then there's not really a oh this person is a lifestyle blogger or this person is a moody and dark right. blogger it's just food Fashion or daily inspirations. Very simple. Photos are only to help you communicate your message, and there's not really a lot of um, you know one-on-one -on -one interactions that as much as we have today. And so um, when I was in university, a really good friend of mine, their family opened up a restaurant, and you know food bloggers were emerging. I think Toronto and New York, they were kind of very competitive. I think New York started the whole food blogging um, sort of trend where people eat at restaurants and talk about it and photograph all these delicious food porn photos yep. and hoping that it would go viral. And that's also what encouraged restaurants to start making secret menus and uh, as a way to just gain some buzz. Um, but back then, you know, buzz worthy things was not necessarily connected to what PR meant. Now it's all one big machine. Um, and so I was thinking, well, I, you know, we can't really, I've never really done events before. I was planning food festivals back then, but, um, didn't really know anybody who did blogging personally. And so I figured I would just secretly start my own page and hopefully it'll take off whatever taking off means and, um, help my friend, uh, promote their family restaurant. And I did it without really telling anybody and it was anonymous and I just posted pictures. I've always taken photos of food. So I actually had a whole catalog going. And then fast forward to a year later, I had about 10,000 followers, um, not bought, just from posting, engaging with people and um, slowly and surely, I think people who I knew of or knew personally started following me and I used to get really nervous and yep. I would block them and unblock them so they would unfollow me. It's like a weird yep. thing where I don't want anybody to know that it's me. And so then at one point, can I swear on this channel? Yeah, this is not under CRTC or anything. Well, at one point I decided, fuck it, I don't, I, I shouldn't have to He's, live under this, you know, shadow and um, I post it every Monday. FCC, not FCC. FCC? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was PG-13. No, CRTC is the Canadian Radio and Telecommunications Council or something. That restrictions over like over yeah, the air radio. Yeah, acronyms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I stopped because I said FEC. Okay. Um, it's FEC. I forget what it 
I'm writing questions as we go along. This oh, is really okay. interesting. Go ahead. Oh, is it? As you were. Mm -hmm. Is it? Raising eyebrows. Mm -hmm. Emoji. Uh, then, yeah, so I, I remember posting a, the first photo that I ever posted of myself. Um, and it was me at this restaurant, which is now closed down. It, it was is this ice cream? This was not ice cream. I was holding a teacup, I think. And then Ray, my friend Ray, took it. And I wasn't really ready, so it was kind of like a natural. And then that was the beginning of the fake laugh. Oh, pretend your your stomach is you know was laugh from your diaphragm, and so then I, I guess that was even though it's something very minuscule, it's not very um, big of a deal that you know. But it, it seemed like a big deal back then to have your face suddenly. So you were right, yeah. You're putting a name to your. Account that didn't have your name on it. Nope. This was Phonies first. Just right? Phonies first. Yeah. So eventually, I just added Grace on the um, name. So it's Phonies first, and underneath it says Grace Toronto. Yeah. That way, there there is a little of a bit of an association, and then um, I remember <laughs> if you could own the name Grace, that would be awesome. <laughs> How many? Like if you could get so popular. Oh, like, like Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, or no, but no. <laughs> Like you're just I Grace know. of Instagram. I don't know if Grace is a badass name. You wouldn't be able to patent it or, or trademark it or like get Instagram no, to, to uh, recognize you as Grace. But if you were just known as Phony's First Grace, it'd be pretty Grace cool. is such a soft name. I don't know. I never really felt like I was a... Like growing up, I never really felt like I was a graceful person. Mm -hmm. um, Anyways. Yeah, so I then... So you tied your face to your, to your account. Yes. For the first time. And I remember when I went to get this waffle, go to this waffle place, which was really popular uh, back then. A lot of bloggers were helping this grandpa, you know, launch the business um, in a really empty plaza. And then I went. And in then, Markham? In Markham. Yeah. And a girl was asked, she like was staring at me and she asked, are you Grace? And I said, yeah. And I remember I was wearing these gray sweatpants, uh, which I still have now. I wear a bed. And I didn't have my glasses on. I looked horrid. And I was sort of freaking out. I said, yeah. She said, oh, your phone needs first. I said, yeah. And then I realized, oh, it's real people. It's hard to remind. It's hard to actually be aware of the fact that it's real people talking to you online, especially when I was just anonymous. And I was like, oh, just numbers. You look at, oh, 100 likes. Oh, it's just a number. It's not real people double tapping and viewing your content. Um, I mean, of course, you can buy likes, but that wasn't what I was doing back then. So that's when I realized that it, you kind of have to be careful about what you say online. And um, you know, surely there were negative PR that came out about bloggers who were saying racist comments. Or, um, and, you know, when I was saying, thinking in my head, we need to be careful about what we say. It's not like, you know, saying mean things, but also being aware that if you're responding to someone, it's a real person. Yeah. If someone says, oh, this photo is ugly, which I've never really gotten before, luckily. I know people who have. Um, just, you know, get them more friends. And I think that's really... And not get too worked up if you get a negative get, comment. Exactly. And that's when I think I really you have to, um, where that kind of, it's like a split personality. I know that's a, like a, you know, more scientific term, but if you think of yourself as a different, like a separate entity from yourself, you don't get hurt as much. So it's a self-defense mechanism? Yes. 
Well, that's, also, that's interesting. I never thought about it as a self-defense mechanism for you, because what our listeners don't know. One listener, Karen. <laughs> what our listeners don't know about Grace. So Grace also has a YouTube channel, and I don't. I mean, I don't know how many subscribers you have. I don't know, like a hundred. A hundred, yeah. Which is actually still, still pretty awesome, considering I don't even think I know a hundred wow, people. Wow, thanks. And so Grace really funny. And really I'm natural. Oh, and honestly, if it was 1980s, you'd say, oh, she would be good on the Food Network or some network That's that nice. doesn't exist anymore because cable, most people don't have cable. Food anymore. Network exists. Store no, I know, but there's just, it's not so pervasive. It's not everywhere. Right. Yeah, anyways, like you'd be like Oprah because you're so good in front of the camera. It's so funny. I but you're, I mean, you actually don't are. Don't people's expectations up now. You are way, well, you, no, so I'll say something that might not sound that nice, but you're way funnier on YouTube than you are actually in real life. <laughs> I mean, I think it is. Yeah. So you either let your guard down or you become someone different to protect yourself. Yeah, you know, that is weird because I think I probably act different with you than I do act, say, around my friends who I just make fun of all the time. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I make I fun of you, too. but not the same way. Like, I don't say, you're so dumb, you're so stupid. And yeah. Not that way, but, you know, say, what the heck? You know? Yeah. Things like that. Well, I wouldn't, like, say that to you, but I would say that to my girlfriends or guy friends. Or to a camera where there's not an immediate reaction. Yeah. Or I, I would also not want to look so dumb around you than I would maybe around other people. Yeah. Because, you know, I want to keep a nice image. Around. So you've, you've mentioned a couple times now already, and I've never asked you this. So I've heard about, like, you can get, and I've gotten the tweets or the emails saying, you know, you want more Twitter, you want more followers on your Twitter account or whatever, you know. Contact us and we'll give you like a thousand likes. Yeah. yeah. So how does that work? They they just have like a, a, an automated bot that can just create thousands of usernames and manage them and visit an account and just like 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 a thousand times. So yeah, it's evolved a lot it, it, with most technology. It's become an, an art form. Is it still is it still done? It is. The the only thing is it's not done as much anymore. I think the man has gone down because there are more tools to be able to tell if you're it's a bot or you pay the service right. versus back then there's not really tools to really enforce that transparency and and um and make sure that people are are what's the word for you know um legitimate legitimate yeah so if you take a step back the people would want more followers and more likes so that they could take their metrics to an agency and say listen i'd like a thousand dollars to post exactly. something for you because i have all of these followers and they instantly give me a like and exactly. you know, it's and, and it's also so those agencies would buy tools mm -hmm. to point out okay this guy's a phony these aren't real likes like they so, have some way to figure it out it is i think it started way smaller than that i think back then people would Followers are a funny thing. It means the most, the more followers you have, which I think you know by now, the more popular you are. And not necessarily as a blogger, but say you're in school and that's where they add a layer for kids nowadays. It's if I have more views or, or followers on Instagram, TikTok, I am, I, I'm worth more. My social currency is a lot higher than someone yep. else. And I have more of a say, even though it's not really tangible, it's intangible. And so Some what, people used to just buy followers to just for their personal pages and add a hundred and look yeah. like, hey, I'm following two hundred people, but I have three, four hundred followers. That means more people care about me than the amount of people I care about. So you know, I, I, my value kind of goes up. And I think for bloggers, you're right. It's exactly that where you take that metric to an agency or 
you don't even need to take into an agency. When influencer marketing boomed, agencies were looking out for, looking up influencers, just browsing through, and I think that's how some agencies found me too, just from seeing popular pictures and realize, oh, they're based in Toronto, their metrics look good. Um, now, because it is a thing and there are more bloggers, given that it, it's a big industry, it's worth now, I think, a few billion dollars from just a few million back more. five years ago. Yeah, probably and, more. you know, of course, that will entice people to begin their own blogs or, you know, I think everybody I know will have or are, are pregnant try to be a mom blogger. It's, it's just Agreed. a natural thing yeah. to... Going, not that there's anything wrong with it, but that's where, you know, if you really have a unique voice, you'll actually, it'll turn into something. But, so the supply... Or it's just idle hands. It's the same reason why people are making <laughs> podcasts, because well, we're yeah. in a pandemic and it's idle hands, so let's Well, try. but I think for podcasts, I mean, it's if you enjoy it versus yeah. you're, you're speaking on something, you're maybe hopefully we're learning about each other and it's not like Instagram where you post a picture and you need to add filters. It's purely superficial. What are you really learning about? If anything, it puts a distance between you and the person that's viewing your photo. So you know, the supply went up and that's where now influencers are pitching to agencies. They, they realize if I put my name in front of these people, I will make money. So, uh, back then, it was really, you know, an agency would send you an email or invite you to this event and fly you out. And you, I mean, don't really know how they find you until you, of course, you think about it. Oh, it's my hashtags. Oh, it's my locations with my photos. Or I know this person. So Or popular Instagram personalities like your photos and follow you. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> this is interesting. So have you ever thought... So have you ever thought, I, I, for every unit that Insta social media has climbed and mm -hmm. become more pervasive in society and more influential, it's actually take, it's been at the cost of newspapers, right? So, it is. So, well, no, this is, I'm asking if you ever thought this, this is kind of my theory is, mm -hmm. so there'd be sections that newspapers had, next sections of their paper that over time, newspapers had for information or to produce money. So it'd be like, like as you say, food, fashion, and your weekend edition would have a fashion section, and they'd have an auto section, and they'd have uh, real estate, um, maybe outdoor living, or something like that. And then there'd be yeah. the news, sports, business, all mm -hmm. that. And so those, seg those sections were, I think, honed over years where this is what people want, this is what people will read, and this is what yeah. advertisers want to be associated with. So... They want to be beside the auto section of a review of a fancy car selling Hyundai's or whatever, mm -hmm. <clears throat> or, uh, or even Chanel wants to be yeah. have a nice photo in the lifestyle section of maybe some celebrities in their gowns or whatever they're wearing the latest fashions for spring or fall or anything like that. So, so really, that that I mean, now we don't we have generally no newspapers or newspapers that are producing only online and not really employing people and not really making any money, which is fine. It was a just dead tree media, just killing trees to print media every day. But really, so, so that's what it's, that's what social media has done. It's, just, it's killed that paper that shows up at your door on weekends and weekdays, which I, is not bad. Yeah. yeah. It's just that that's, that, have you ever thought about that? Yeah. That you, you, that you kind of were on the front lines in the first generation 
that was bringing information to people <coughs> that was inf that was uh, yeah. important to you and interesting to you, and then people followed you because it was also important or uh, informative for them. Yeah, it, you're right. It's um, for newspapers. Um, one thing, it's the lack of adoption. They're not adapting as quickly as the world is evolving. So it's, it, I think, newspapers, if they caught on and respected platforms like Instagram and Facebook earlier and didn't think they were invincible, they would be in a much better place. Yeah. And if they were more open-minded about collaborating with writers, I mean, a lot of bloggers actually are contributors now because newspapers can't afford full-time writers. So yeah. writers lose their jobs and then they try to become these, you know, bloggers or writers of their own and do freelance work and bloggers again to come in and they are great writers as well and I, mean, you think? I, I, I think that's probably a rare thing is that people who are creating their own content are actually they don't have an editorial an editor above them saying yeah. uh you know your your voice here is off or your grammar is horrible if it was six years <laughs> your ago your writing style is awful and you're an original person you're a person who started off with blogging <clears throat> you're writing you got started and you got popular because people love your writing and then you then took that following that how can you write on instagram though you can't well that's where you start first started with blogs blogs exploded yeah. that's yeah. when articles and so you'd have a link on your post and people would look at your photo and this is on instagram yes and before. then when instagram yeah. began they yeah. would have link in bios or they would write in captions and they had to learn what this really meant and what what would Instagram do for me that my blog cannot do. And for many of them, maybe Instagram outgrew their blogs or maybe Instagram never took off as much as their blogs could. So they all have different purposes, different platforms attract different audiences. Yeah. And um, for writers, I mean, sometimes newspapers actually now recruit bloggers. I mean, Forbes was asked, like, they asked me to write that bakery article because they want to hopefully, you would talk about it. And, drive some readership to their website and make their articles more relevant because who better to hire or ask to contribute than people who live in the topic every day yeah. and can actually speak on it from a much more personal versus bias. And it comes to when it comes to advertising too, I think people knew the politics behind publications and newspapers could and couldn't say certain things because advertisers, there's mm -hmm. a big conflict there. Mm -hmm. And bloggers were just you can say whatever the fuck you want and no one's really going to stop you. But now that's also changed too. It's like what we talked about with cable networks. Sorry, mom. I swear to God, he's doing this And people, uh, I forget what I was saying. Sorry, I interrupted. You're saying uh, people could say whatever they wanted. Yeah, people could say whatever we want. But as the industry evolves, now <clears throat> bloggers are getting, or Instagrammers are getting sponsorships. So now they can't really say whatever they want yep. and I think what another one is magazines that really notice a shift where editors used to be this you know royalty and they were treated they were flown out to shows and they can watch and you know they get invited to front rows and now they've been replaced by bloggers and of course they felt threatened but if you're going to remain in that mindset I think this applies to a lot of industries you're going to remind re remain in that mindset where there's no growth and you deserve to be there because of your title, then you're really going to be the one who falls behind. Do you, do you think it's mostly time, though? Because if a social media personality goes to an event, they can post quickly, and the information's out there, where a magazine yes. posts every month. That, too. So that no one's going to wait. <clears throat> and and exactly. the, vanity, the Vanity Fairs of the world, let's say, as an example, 
their, their presence online isn't that strong, so they might publish the article online and yeah. publish it in a piece of paper, but still it's not immediate. Exactly. So it's just they've just never, ever, it's just like if they were big ships, they weren't able to move or adapt or had yeah, so much exactly. debt or had such, were so greedy or advertisers left so fast they didn't know what to do. It's, it's super interesting from my perspective, but I knew that, I mean, you didn't grow up with a newspaper on your doorstep every morning. Yeah, I did. Did you? Friends used to, you know, ride around the neighbor neighborhood and throw newspaper at <laughs> Like okay. Luke from our family. Yeah, I was going to say that. I kind of wanted to do that at one point, but I really don't think I can sustain biking for that long. It's too much. Or be outside. <laughs> Grace, Grace but I can skateboard! Grace doesn't like being outside that much. I do, <clears> it's <throat> not. You know, here. Okay, so this gets us to... You, you brought up the word bloggers way more than I expected. I mean, I don't think of blogging anymore because I just think it's just everything is a picture and a few words. Yeah. There's really not anyone giving opinions or doing research. But maybe there is. I, I mean, I don't see it in my, in my life. Yeah. And I think that's where, when we think about the two different platforms or multiple platforms separately, people will always be Googling or searching for how-tos, recipes, or, I mean, that's the most... Yep. We'll probably search for or training just... training manuals or instruction manuals. If you buy something exactly. and get it online, it arrives. It's not like you talk to a salesperson in the store yeah. or a customer service person in the store and they explain how to use it or put it together. I mean, you, it arrives. You open the box. There might be some paper instructions, which are still a resource, but I mean, it's, we're always going to need these things online now. I mean, it's, so the difference is instead of. <clears throat> CNET or instead of Investopedia or Wikipedia, it's blogs. It's really just another name for articles now, yeah. I think. Um, instead of having a giant like BuzzFeed published, now everybody has a voice. You just need to bump up your SEO. Okay. So the evolution of social media is, or online is, internet browser, Facebook, Twitter. So Facebook was telling your life through pictures and descriptions and telling your life in the way that you want it. So it was generally what I think is people display the life they wish they led mm -hmm. or they hope people believe they lead. Yeah. And then Twitter became <clears throat> not so much photos, but just either humor or hatred. And then it went to Instagram, which is photos, mm -hmm. which is just like Facebook without the words. So this is how I am or, and I'm so much, I lead such an exciting life, or this is the light, exciting life that I don't lead, but I want to have it the perception so that people respect me more. Yeah. Which gets us to TikTok, which is videos, no photos, mm -hmm. generally. Mm -hmm. And it isn't so much about this is the life that I lead. I haven't quite figured it out yet. I mean, you get lots of videos on there. <clears throat> Do it yourself home. Uh, women not wearing clothes to get attention or wearing very few clothes or to get attention. they just feel good about themselves. Or they just want to, yeah, they want to express themselves. To an and end. No, it probably is to get attention and likes. No? Well, not necessarily. Well, this is a conversation. So anyways, we get from the internet all the way to TikTok, which is the latest version of social media, mm -hmm. which seems to be... I mean, it's pretty entertaining, so it's here to stay, and it's going to evolve a bit, and it'll be replaced by something. So, what do you think about TikTok, and then what do you think about what may be the next form of 
user-generated content or social media? Yeah, I don't think TikTok is necessarily going to be replaced. I think, again, like the other platforms, Instagram's not really going to be replaced. It's just the way people use it evolves. And like Facebook now, it's people, I think, connect with their family or share memes online. And Instagram, it's, I think people are shifting to a more inspirational, kind of like a Pinterest user, user behavior. People don't engage with it as much. Uh, most they will maybe tap a like, but the number of comments has gone down and TikTok is really where people can, it's so much easier to go viral because people are on there to express themselves in a way that they cannot uh, on other platforms. One, because the editing power of right. TikTok is tremendous. Right. So you can do something and it looks perfect, but the, the reality is it's taking you seven hours to do it. Uh, yes. So you can, you can show your best life. You can show your best life. Not necessarily. No, it doesn't have to be show your best life, but it's, I, I really don't think TikTok is necessarily showing off. I mean, of course, there are accounts that are, could be showing off. Look at my big house. Look at all this money that I have. Uh, it, it's really more so about sharing what I know and making your life easier or let's say teaching people how to's. Oh, yeah, like life hacks and stuff like that? Life hacks. That's a genre well. for sure. In there. Yeah, or yeah. what people are doing at home, recipes, and make it look as easy as possible. It's a lot more challenging to make content on TikTok. But what I meant by editing tools is the, the app, you can add a lot more editing effects onto it. You can cut videos. You, you just can't do that on Instagram. You can't do that on oh, Facebook. Yeah. YouTube, you can barely do So you something. can make it look vintage or have sparkles on it or whatever. You can do yeah. that and also you can cut videos and add text onto it, yeah. different fonts and uh, that's what really allows people to um, make their videos stand out and not necessarily, it's not really, I personally don't think um, people are on TikTok to get attention the same way they're trying to get attention on Facebook or Instagram. I think it's more so about, I really want to find my voice and individuality through TikTok and how can I provide something that will be helpful to people versus Instagram is how can I keep all my secrets but make my pictures and videos look so nice but you know what no one's gonna know how you did it but you know what? I'm gonna go to TikTok and that's where you're gonna have to go to learn how I added this filter on my video so that way I'm getting audiences different audiences on all platforms so this makes people happier because they can express themselves the utility back to the society is very little unless Serious genres start up with how to life hacks. You mean on TikTok? Yeah. It, it, I think it depends. I don't think there's just one type of people who use TikTok. Um, some people maybe didn't expect to maybe fall in love. I think most kids now want to probably enroll in dance schools because of Charlie Demilo. Yeah. If I'm saying her name correct. Um, I think it's opened up possibilities, but yeah. it's also installing a false sense of reality to, I think we're raising a bunch of narcissists growing up. It's, I need to be in front of the camera, I need to be good, which is a very important skill to have. Move to LA, move into a 10,000 yeah, square foot move house. Move into a hype house. house. Nice house, nice and that if <laughs> Just I, do videos all day. Yeah, <laughs> if I make a cool video and I go viral, then I don't have to worry about the rest of my life. But you know, there, there's a lot more work that goes behind these so-called, they're not kids, but these videos of dancing, They're, they have managers, they have to plan out their content calendar, they have to uh, promote their merch as part of the video, and there's just a lot more layers that I don't think kids really understand. That's a dangerous thing about TikTok. 
because you mindlessly scroll through them and you try to become certain things, but you don't actually realize that that's not your only option, even though it's being painted as yep. the, one of the best options out there. The, the pandemic quarantine has helped them too, I'm, I'm guessing. Helped who? TikTok. Helped TikTok. Oh, yeah. it's helped. I think it's helped anybody on the internet. If you're on YouTube, you're on Instagram, the average CPM now has gone down by 50%. So the cost of impression. So that's cost per a thousand times uh, someone has seen it. So that means that advertisers are less eager, so they're paying less. It means it means more people are online. People are spending more time online, and there's a whole new different like generation that's logging online. So that means it's cheaper to have people see a picture or a video, just because there are more eyeballs on their phones. Okay, explain this to me. I understand the, the metrics that you're saying. So the CPM is cost per thousand, cost per mil. Cost per thousand. Cost per thousand. No, I know. The, the M is M-I-L-L. French, The French version of thousand mil, cost per mil. Okay. That's why CPM came from. I thought M was for impressions. No, that would be I. CPI, cost no, per impression. Okay. No, it's M. I'm pretty sure it's M. It, like no, the, it, the it, French no, word for thousand is it mil. It is M. Okay. I, okay. I may be wrong. We can do this research before we post this. Anyways, it doesn't matter. So you're saying the cost per thousand impressions is down. But my, what I'm saying is, why is it down? Because, because advertisers aren't willing to pay as much? Or the, the amount of money out there is less? Or the amount of money out there is more? There's no. more competition for the impressions or less competition? It's because more people are online and they're spending more time online. What? So more people are are on their phones, that means more people are going to be viewing content. Okay. So it's so, not as expensive to target these people anymore. Because there's so many people online that if you buy an impression, if you buy a, a spot where they're going to see it, there's more people going to see it. Yeah. Okay. And so that means that's the cost to the advertisers down. You can get all of these impressions for $100 where it used to be just these few impressions for $100. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's right. Okay. That does that. I mean, that does make sense. So it's a, it's a, it's a better time to be out there as an advertiser because you have a captive mm -hmm. audience and everyone's looking to be this more eyeballs looking. It is, and it's also a really good time to be a creator because more people are spending time uh, viewing the stuff that you create or one creates. That does make sense. I wonder if that's the, the case for TV. I mean, I don't watch TV it is. With, with commercials anymore. I, I don't have cable. I stream everything. There's no commercials. It is. Um, so TV the commercials though, I see are in online with, with yes. if I'm shopping or if I'm on like a social media device. But you're also one of the, only part of the big, big population. So TV is actually, was actually kind of in trouble because most advertisers were pulling sure. TV ads because... It wasn't very appropriate for this COVID, you know, friend, COVID environment where um, many ads were. Ad business. No, many ads were promoting uh, social gathering. Oh. And right. you you have to pull those because now we're all social distancing. Right. So the only way you know advertisers had to TV, I guess they were just living off of the penalties that they had to charge these advertisers and. That's for a huge negotiation. It's interesting. I, I just assume, I mean, obviously it's a wrong assumption, but 
everything I consume doesn't have, like I, if I watch Netflix or Crave or Disney Plus mm-hmm. or whatever, there's no, there's no ads I'm seeing. So I'm watching more TV, but I'm not seeing mm-hmm. more ads. I'm uh, personally. Yeah, because. My mom and dad who are in their, their seniors, they're seeing more commercials maybe because that's how they watch TV traditionally. But then, if you're 20, 20 years old, you're, you're watching it the same way I'm watching it. Netflix or. So then those, those Unless ads. Unless you watch YouTube. YouTube is, yeah. So then those ads made for TV would not be targeted to you anyways. Because the user behavior is that this younger generation is shifting away from traditional TV. Yeah. And so those ads made are going to be targeting boomers or older. older. Right. And so that's why the creative had to be changed. You can't just use a TV commercial on Instagram. It won't work. It's too polished. It's too... Too um, long. It's too, you would never have a photo of a bunch of people cheersing with Perrier on Instagram. It, ha- it has to be a little unpolished for it to work on the social media platform. Versus on TV, it's very it's a sunny day, everybody's smiling, slow motion. Yeah. Sorry to spell your notebook. Okay. Uh, slow motion, and you know, and then you end with a big, big um, logo. Versus on social media, you have to introduce your logo or branding within the first three seconds because, or else, it's going. People are not going to recall your brand, no matter how great your creative is. Interesting. <laughs> That's funny. Three, three seconds. I remember what they used to say websites have to open within eight seconds or people yeah. will go to a different website. I mean, you, no, would never I wait. you would never wait anything for eight seconds. Oh, anymore. now it's probably <laughs> milliseconds. So, um, okay, so let's give you the rundown. So Grace is a savvy veteran of Instagram because of her age and she was just at the right point in her age to, and she was the right personality to get active in it and was, uh, has lots of experience. So I will say though, yeah. a lot of people that I know, not my really good friends, they are older. They're in their thirties and forties and they're just as savvy. Oh yeah. It's not, not necessarily. No, no, I know. Well, the Kardashians are older too. I mean, you know, I'm not saying it has to be specific. So then I was just going to say that. So you're also, you have some exposure to YouTube. You don't do videos as often because it takes too much time. Is that? Is that the it does take a lot of time. I think it's the cost of um, opportunity cost because I, you know, it's with after work and my shoulders are in pain being on the laptop all day and editing is also adds a lot of stress on your body. And at one point, you don't want to do something, push yourself so hard to the point where you've experienced before and you hate doing what you once really liked mm-hmm. or enjoyed. So I just try not to stress myself out too much. So the key is you, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and so where do you think, uh, where do you think this all leads to? Do you think there's going to be constantly, like Facebook was hot for five, six, seven years and Instagram was hot for five or six, seven years and then Instagram was going to, TikTok's going to be hot for four months or something. Like it's going to get, is it, do you think the window of popularity where it is a must-have social media destination is going to uh, shorten? Or do you think Instagram will just evolve over and over again and and keep its base? I think all platforms are growing. There are new, excuse me, there are new people who are, I don't know the age limit, I think it's 13 or 14. There are new 13 and 14 year olds every day. And they are also new famous 13, 14 year olds every day. So the, the amount of, the, this is why influencers, Instagram or YouTube, they also pay their creators is because they're the people who keep 
people wanting to log on and see all this amazing oh, right. content. Yeah. Yeah. So when that supply of creators keeps growing, the platform's never really going to die. The way people use a platform or the way people spend their time on it may shift. Uh, I think TikTok is still growing. It's going to grow for, an, I think it's only at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's barely reached its peak. I think it, you know, it was a big, big, I think it's probably matured in Asia. That's where I started from. Um, and once it now in North America, especially given the quarantine, people are, more people are consuming content on TikTok. And this is only the beginning because it's, uh, you know, word of mouth where you can go, TikTok is the best app ever. You have to go, you're going to get sucked into this. And that's where it grows. And I think it's still growing. And I think there are going to be more and more famous, quote unquote, with my fingers, people on TikTok and driving more fans. And do have more of these interactive uh, videos, and I think even with just the way technology is evolving, with um, you know new innovations, uh, that's what goes viral on TikTok. The more innovations out there, I, I this is just my opinion. The more, let's say, three D glasses, or that's kind of a lame example. Something I don't know, something cool, three sixty cam or something, and then you know unboxing videos, something even as simple as that. People might even end up going to TikTok for these new, you know, that might be a niche. Yeah, yeah. So, on Instagram, it's probably a pretty picture of the product versus TikTok. I'll actually show you how to use it in one minute. And YouTube is where you really want to dig into the details. It's almost like, I get a little interested on Instagram, TikTok. Ooh, that looks like a next new thing. And then, yeah. you know what? I'm it's gonna, just richer. I'm going to Google you it. You have people telling you and showing you and doing it. Yeah, Ooh, and that's... There's no way you can't begin to understand something on YouTube or TikTok. Yeah, and that's why you have to be really yeah. involved on all platforms so you can fully maximize the your voice, the ex how far your voice goes for a specific topic or whatever it is that you are passionate about speaking about. Okay. I think that brings us to the end of our first segment. I went good. Do you know how long that was? 40 minutes. Oh, that was a long you time. Podcasts are usually... At most, 40 minutes. No, they're podcasts for an hour usually. But I think if you like put bumpers at the beginning and if you put some reading, ad read-ins, it gets us... There's not too many. There's not too many that go that long, actually. 40, 45 minutes. I think if we took out the the pauses and the... Yeah. I haven't paused it yet. We're still recording. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to take a break. I'm going to get another coffee. We are on the May long weekend here. And uh, that'll be the end of the first segment. Thank you, Grace. That was really yeah. interesting. I hope everyone is as interested in your words as I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In the uh, May Long Weekend Lounge here at the Banks Residence, our our uh, intern has refreshed our coffee. We know, and we have glasses of water, just like a real radio broadcast. Well, I don't need so much coffee. I'm gonna have some water too. So, <clears throat> follow uh, segment two. We'll start off with. Something that I'm interested about. I haven't talked to Grace about this. So this will be uh, uh, no rehearsal. 
which is what David Letterman used to do. We had rehearsal before either. I didn't even know when you started. Now let's go. Okay, I'm trying to give the alert that we're really prepared. Okay, so we'll jump right into it. Podcasting. So po- I got into podcasting, listening to podcasts. Uh, I got into podcasting two weeks ago, <laughs> but I got into listening to podcasts about maybe three years ago. And so I think what I like about it is I, it is still nice to have storytelling. And I don't know if that's something that gets goes back to like elementary school and having your teachers read to you, or if it's just a... It's something that isn't done anymore. I mean, obviously, everything we touched on with your version of social media is visual and very little storytelling. Uh, But this is storytelling. I mean, the podcasts that I like are crime-based genre. Mm -hmm. It's like a drama, uh, nonfiction, like a real story where someone has gone missing or someone was murdered and or something has happened and it's never been solved. And so mm-hmm. it's like a documentary without the visuals. So it's easier for this content to be created. There still is an investigative journalism aspect, which mm-hmm. people you have to research and you get the list of suspects and you do background research onto these individuals. You do timelines and generally why it's unsatisfying is it never really gets to a, like the final podcast, the episode of the podcast doesn't say, and for this reason, I think it's Jimmy that did it because, because he, you know, the podcaster can't do that. They would get sued. You can't accuse someone yes. of a murder or a crime. That's right. And that's probably, that's probably what police get to too, is they just never ever often can find out who it is. Right. Anyways, but it is, it is, I mean, I really do like it. And there's, they're so rare that when you do come across a good one, it's a page turner. It's like a book that you can't put down. You can't wait till that next podcast comes out. Right. That's me. That's my perspective. Yeah. There are many genres. There is self-help, just like this section's in a chapters. Self-help, how to lose yeah. weight, how to keep weight off, how to speak better in public, how to, you know, influence people, whatever it is. Well, there's, you don't need that. No. <laughs> and there's another one that I like is athletes, even stupid ones, but athletes who talk to other athletes and share stories. Oh, yeah. It's amazingly, it's amazingly entertaining. To listen to, sometimes even guys who have a very, uh, either a short attention span or a very small vocabulary. Some of the stories are, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's why everyone, or why people sometimes look up to athletes. Is because of their exposure just to, or I guess maybe why males look up to other male athletes. Is because they just have a life where they're just constantly around guys. And other guy who, and, and famous ones that, that. Uh, like celebrities almost. Yeah. So that's another genre I listen to. So, but that is new media. I mean, that, you know, that it's outside of radio. It's outside of the CRTC. It doesn't have to be regulated. There can be swearing and there can be off-color stories. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the sub-genres within the, all of these podcasts are infinite because you can do whatever you want. You can focus on stories in the off-season, or murders, or serial killers, or whatever. I mean, it's, it's just so, it's so microscopic. Mm-hmm. So, the flip side is, is those people are doing it mostly for money, which is good. So they do their own ad reads. It doesn't work if you insert a commercial. You have to say, you know, this segment of who did it is sponsored by... HelloFresh. HelloFresh, bringing meals to people as you are going through this pandemic or whatever. 
And so it is a different way to deliver ads. So, I mean, that is also going to change the way who's willing to be a part of these podcasts and, and be a part of something where maybe things are off color. Yeah. So that's not Procter & Gamble. I mean, I don't think they would ever risk themselves. So I guess hopefully, uh, what's that? Well, yeah. So, okay. So I will set the stage. So you and I really never talk about podcasts. I've given you a few that I listen to. One on uh, the marketing industry, kind of like a, a, a non-fiction version of Mad Men, which is uh, Under the Influence, Under the Influence mm-hmm. which has a CBC, oh, it was a CBC originally. It's, it's, I don't think it's under yeah. the CBC umbrella anymore. Alphabet. So, um, uh, so that was one that I gave you. Anyways, so what do, how do you think this will evolve for advertisers and podcasters? Because I think there's going to be more and more podcasters uh, because there's more and more people looking for to be spoken to. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that table set, the dishes are out, the splatware is on, the table is yours. <laughs> it is mine. Half of this table is taking up everything. I think... Podcasts, uh, and the reason why I didn't mean to interrupt the Procter Gamble is they are one of the first brands that worked with influencers on TikTok. Despite TikToks, I know we're talking about podcasts, but I thought I mentioned TikTok as a very, it's not safe to advertise on TikTok because there's a, they have a pedophile problem. They have a, what if your ad gets served just before someone talks about uh, you know Chinese people eating bats. That's yeah. how we got COVID nineteen. Yeah. There's no way to control that, and which is what why Google, Facebook, they're so advanced with their advertising rules, and why they have almost like a monopoly is because their advertising rules are, are so strict, and they provide that brand safety. Mind you, every one, once in a while, you're still gonna get a bad ad served in front of a bad video. Um, but I think um, brands are they have to take a little bit of a risk. Um, of course, that comes from leaders, or it comes from maybe the brand is a very risk-taking, let's say, Dollar Shave Club. I don't know if that's still around, but I, I can see that as a brand that maybe doesn't, might not be as conservative as some uh, a brand like Dove, to using brand PNG's yep. um, umbrella. Um, but I, you know, I think YouTube already had its own version of podcasts. I think podcasts are a battery-saving way of watching YouTube videos. Well, yeah, actually, and most of the big podcasts now, mm-hmm. when they publish the podcast, they also publish the videotape yeah. of the interview. And, right. and it's just done with, like, one camera. Right. You yes. see people walking in in front of it. It's, it's very rudimentary. Yeah. It's not hard to watch. That's right. But you do get to see, like, the athlete talking, and maybe he's, right. he's even funnier because he's maybe I, short or right. using his, you know, his hands or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a richer way to do it. That's right. But it's not as enjoyable, to be honest with you. It's, I, it, I enjoy driving in my car and listening to a funny story or walking boomer or doing yard work or doing whatever. It's, it's a little less if you have to sit down yeah. and stare at the TV and do nothing yeah. else. Exactly. And, and I think that's where people can multitask. I listen to podcasts while I'm yeah. painting or doing, I don't know. So I can feel like I'm being productive in one way or another and we'll get two things done. And um, I think there were a lot of YouTube videos where, say, someone is talking about their life story or, you know, their experience as, say, a transgender. You know, they're talking about their experience, talking about stories. Oh, story time, that was a big tag, uh, a trend on YouTube. And you don't really need to really watch these people unless they're super, I don't know, they have a specific look, like you said, maybe this athlete adds to it and that's what makes this person stand out. But a lot of people, I think, were listening to YouTube videos more than they were watching them. They probably leave it on and they're doing something else. I find that a, a pattern that I've 
experience okay. and podcasts like you said it is such a big thing because people can be doing laundry and listen to podcasts and not be have to sit in front of the tv but it, and it's more portable it doesn't use up as much of your data and your wi-fi doesn't have to be as fast just those little things yeah. like that and but it is people, also funny I hate to interrupt because I set the table for you, but I will interrupt. The one other thing that I really find about podcasts is the voice, like, you know, when a guy has a good voice or a woman has a good voice, mm -hmm. it is, it does, it does make you feel good to listen to whatever they're, they can actually be telling you about making ice cream, but yeah. if it's a soothing voice, like, you, you know, like Martha Stewart had a good voice. I think that is a lot of what, what she yeah. had. She had a good delivery. But anyways, so I, I do enjoy actually the audio part of it more than you do. I, I don't think I will transfer my watching to you. No, it's it's not again. It's not transferable. Yeah. It's just, just for a different, different audience. You think it's for it's different purposes. I yeah. think if you love watching this person, they just have this dynamic, you know, charisma to them. That's where it works in their favor is to have a video. But say someone once has a really love. I mean, David Beckham. Come on, he's attractive, but his voice is Who? David Beckham. His oh, voice yeah. is. He would never survive. Say someone like him would never survive on a podcast, but he would do great on YouTube. That's right. what I mean yeah. by you can use it. But some people like He's got a little voice voice. So, say someone has a really beautiful voice and they're on podcasts and, you know, of course, there are many ways to spice things up, adding sound effects and making things funny or whatever the style is. They may want to hide their appearance so that their voice is what leads to the imagination. Let's say if it was, um, you know, an erotic story, people might not want to know what you look like. They want to leave it No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's one form of, you know, audiobooks, it could be podcasts, just any sort of listening yeah. medium. So, I wonder if, I wonder if audiobooks are popular. Audiobooks are popular. I what, think they what's started the app? probably... What's the service that you... It's um, called, oh, I think they're Audible. Audible. Audible, Audible, yeah, Audible, yeah. And there may be another one, but I think Audible is the leading uh, app. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I think podcasts are... It's just another way to consume content. Again, a lot of YouTubers have podcasts and they talk about something else. Just to create as much points of contact to their listening exactly. audience as possible. Yeah? I can be here okay. when you're eating your chips. I can be here when you're doing mopping the floor. And I can also be there when you're scrolling through your phone. The more times you see me, the closer you feel to me. And the, you know, the more influence I have on you. Yeah, interesting. Okay, and so the first, the one thing that I, I thought of as you were talking was advertisers. Mm -hmm. Do you think, do you think uh, society will reduce their, um, reduce their expectation or get a little more casual with advertisers? Say, like your example about, well, Procter & Gamble may not want to be on TikTok because they don't want Dove served Dub soap ads served just before you know a, a jerk is on there or something negative, which would be negative to the brand. Mm -hmm. So it's negative to the brand, but really what they're worried about is getting their audience, insulting their audience, or getting or having some kind of negative without an actual person. Do you think people will go, oh, you know, how could Procter and Gamble know? I mean, I'm not going to get mad or stop buying Dub soap because they were served before or after. Um, a negative video that I saw. Do you think do you think we can get there or is it always gonna be we just we can't risk being on these new forms of media so or maybe they'll maybe you know what maybe Procter and Gamble will start new brands. So instead they'll make dove but they'll call it love and then they'll be on TikTok. 
No, I think those things happen already. Those things have, I mean, these brands have survived decades and there's been marketing or advertising mishaps, wrong placements many, many times more than we know. We only see one aspect of, you know, the brand and it may not be a good fit for that, but using the Dollar Shave Club example that we were talking about, it might be a good fit for another brand. And when you have a different demographic, one may be more forgiving than another. You might not want to show a gay-friendly ad to someone, to a state in the United States of America that's a lot more conservative. So right. it doesn't matter. It's not necessarily the placement either that's a risk. It's where, even geographically. You could have accidentally served this, or Nike with, with their bold ads and you know um, speaking on politics. People are burning their shoes, but hey, that's not who they're trying to, when you build, they know they have a great product. At the end of the day, People are going to forget there's going to be new generations. It takes 30 years on average for any new mindset to form or new norm to be understood or accepted. So they know which direction they're going and they're going to go toward it because they know that's the way society is moving. So not necessarily just, I think people are, are they accepting? Yes. All right. Would the brand love, you know, go it's, is it bigger than just seeing a wrong ad on a different problem? I don't think consumers necessarily think that way. I don't think they see an ad in front of a bad video and they necessarily associate the ad. I don't think so content, either. Yeah. But some people do. And that's where you want to limit that risk. Why risk it when? So that's where the some brands are conservative, some brands are... Well. Yeah. Because we, we know we're in the first stages of advertising on podcasts or advertising for influencers because it's not mainstream products. What do you mean, not mainstream products? Well, so if there's a podcast for two hockey players, they're advertising like, uh, wow, what are they advertising? Okay. I mean, they are advertising some obscure things. I'm trying to think of some of the things. I mean, I guess they do sometimes, I mean, they do like uh, Dunkin' Donuts, which is mainstream. Because mm -hmm. they, they, I mean, they talk about off-color things, right? So it's mostly men's products. Uh, like shaving products and trimming products and things like that. So it's not really things where you would ever see advertising anywhere else. In fact, I couldn't even name the, I know what the products do, but I couldn't name their, the, because they're not mainstream enough, I wouldn't even remember the products. I think that goes both ways. It's not that brands who are not mainstream choose to advertise on podcasts. There are a lot more different factors, whether it be those podcasts couldn't get any better sponsors. Yeah. Or it could be that this particular brand, because it's so small, it cannot afford a TV spot. So it yeah. has to try yeah. not traditional well, channels. And I'm always interested, like, so there was a hockey player that came, was, his contract was uh, uh, ended. It was canceled because he was a part of a, a messaging group and they were talking badly about other players and other players' wives. So there wasn't much to get rid of him because I think he only had two or three months left on his contract and the NHL is closed. But, you know, the week before that, the podcast that I listened to, were they, I mean, they were saying things that were off color. Not about it. They never really ever, they, well, they never ever talk about someone specific, but they would talk generally about people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in a humorous, kind of uh, demeaning way for sure. And then I'm often wondering, like, okay, is that what's going to, like, kill their advertisers? Or is this, you know, because they, they, they do have big advertisers. They have, like, uh, Budweiser, and, and they have, I mentioned they have Dunkin' Donuts because they're a, a 
think in the Northeast United States is a big market for them. So Dunkin' Donuts is like Tim Hortons for Boston and New York. and It's the eastern seaboard. It is always a risk for yeah. advertisers because you can never control this. You can't control that pox specific one because you may have to approve it. But for future ones, let's say this is why celebrities celebrities get into bad PR and makeup lines have to, or whatever product it is, have to be pulled because they no longer want to associate yeah. with that celebrity. I guess that's so a good, that, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But at the same time, your podcast, they're popular because they go off color. And as long as you know the listeners are exactly your term target demographics are it doesn't really matter unless they're making racial slurs or you know yeah things no and that might be a good actually advertisers um if it advertising might be the the uh balancing um measure in all of this like they they will be keeping people um talking within the lines of civility and uh at least being civil and being polite is well if you really go off color and you're really wild and crazy just to get your audience, you're not going to succeed because there's no advertisers that are going to support you. No one will want to be a part of something that is so off color unless it's way out there and it's very minuscule. There, the, the company that would want to advertise for that would be not national. But who's to say that getting an advertiser is the definition of success? It doesn't really have to be. That's where no. I think most of these people are in there. They are there to express themselves and maybe have some post retirement. Um, occupation or it's a pastime, but I think at the end of the day, they are doing it for the thousand um, dollars per podcast or whatever. I disagree because podcasts are also a great way to build your reputation oh, and yeah. show that build your celebrity. I'm just I'm think that what I'm, my opinion is because again, going back to different platforms can be used for different purposes. You can use YouTube to let's say. Let's say for a podcast, you can show that you are knowledgeable and you are able to carry a conversation. Say your end goal is to become a sports broadcaster mm -hmm. and you can show that you can go all in the different ranges. This is just an example. And you don't need advertisers to do that. And you can get an advertiser on your YouTube videos and not your podcasts. It's, it could be just another way to connect with your audience. It, it goes yeah. beyond money. When or people, prove that you have an audience. Or prove that you have an you audience. You could be, get hired by some other metrics. media company. The yeah. more audiences you have on more platforms, it shows that you you are beyond just a pretty face. You are a, you know, you're educated. You can speak. People actually want to listen to you yeah, and your awesome. soul and not yeah. just look at you. So I, I, I don't think necessarily the advertiser will keep people in line because there are many, many stories to this day back when advertising started that there's bad PR that pop up all the time and people learn from the mistakes people get over it and advertising will still come back and advertise with you because guess what you have the audience that they need to reach Kobe Bryant is a good example why? well he had a PR disaster early on his oh, career yeah. he survived yes okay so uh, another now so we're at the hour mark so this is a major threshold I've never had uh, content past an hour. I bet you after you edit this, it's going to be 32 minutes. Oh, I think people will be disappointed if they found out that I was editing your comments. <laughs> and there's not a lot of gaps. Okay, so that, that might be a good segue to uh, segment three. We'll shut off uh, We'll shut off the lights of the studio now. <laughs> well, stop recording. Stacy! <laughs> Coffee! Stay tuned. It, no, it's it's uh, Sally. Yeah. Oh, Sally. <laughs> She's not going to be happy that you've got have her name wrong. <laughs> Sally's not very happy after this. Coffee. <laughs> okay, Sally. We have to apologize to Sally during the break. 
<laughs> we may have to get it. We she may just leave. We may have to get another name. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're back here for segment three. Grace was just giving me some pointers on how to be a better interviewer. This is how our relationship goes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Sally has quit. She said she will come back for uh, for the kids and their uh, participation, but um, so uh, Grace has. I mean, that's a sabbatical. Yeah, Sally is. Her feelings are hurt. So now we're been joined by uh, Stacy and Kyle in the control booth. Uh, they will be helping. It probably is, in hindsight, a two-person job. Sally was a little overworked. So, um, I'm going to start this off uh, with my new uh, found um, instruction. So, Grace finds herself at a crossroads. She's Her career has started. She's doing really well. She's uh, looked to by many people. This is my opinion. This is my editorial. Okay. Um, she has been involved in the food and restaurant and I mean phone eats first is is a term that came up from Instagram with you know food is served at a restaurant the food is placed on the table and before anyone can eat the pictures get taken phone yeah. eats first it's a nice way to describe it. I never I don't think I ever really we ever really talked about that but it, it, it probably became a hashtag I'm amazed you got it actually yeah. but it's uh I mean it, it's it's a the reason why it works and the reason why it, it stayed as a hashtag is because it makes so much sense. If you've ever eaten with people who like to take photos, it's always, don't touch anything. It's <clears> perfect. <throat> don't eat. Can you wait? Do you mind? Click. So she's gone from that where uh, she had 15, 16, 17,000 followers uh, wanting to see where she's been around the world and what she's eating and what she's enjoying and her lifestyle. And so she's thought about segueing into fashion. And so she started taking pictures. She's turned the camera around. And she's taking pictures of herself. That does not sound narcissistic at all. Listen, this is, this is, you are not a narcissistic, you, you are not this, it's not, I, I, it's, this is all genuine. This is my analysis. This is my editorial. You can okay. disagree. So it, it. There's parts of it that make you feel uncomfortable, parts of it that make you think that I might be uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I mean, you're, it's a different way to express yourself. Yeah, I think you were maybe worried that you may lose followers because they were wanting just to follow your trails Which around the uh, restaurant scene. There's many different ways to have waffles and poutine. So this is, uh, I mean, this, and this is going up the food chain. This is, I mean, I think fashion is a more lucrative, high-end segment of uh, the world of consumption and the world of content creation. So, I, I mean, I support this. I think it's really cool. And you're beautiful and smart, and I think you probably could add something that most fashion um, and style content creator can because they are just nice to look at, but their brain wasn't developed. And they don't speak 17 languages. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you, the, your reach is crazy, right? Your, your, no. your potential reach is crazy. Anyways, so I, I think you're struggling with that, maybe how am I going to do it? How do I get, how do you get into fashion? It's easy to find restaurants and, and the, the, the segment, the market segment is so well defined of how to post photos mm -hmm. of food. And it, it's not hard to re 
not hard to believe why it's so easy to have followers when you're um, consuming food, especially in Toronto. In Toronto is such a, a yeah. food. That's right. There's so many types of good foods and good restaurants just because it's such a multicultural city. That's right. So my question is, and I almost shut up once I ask it. <laughs> how do you see, how interested are you in fashion, and how do you see you um, entering into the market of fashion, either by a content creator or a maybe a fashion creator or a fashion reviewer, or, you know, it's all of those things. So where do you see yourself? I don't know if I see myself as a reviewer, like to speak on fashion. I, I wish I knew more history about fashion. I, I do like to read about that, but I would never want to, and that was the same with food too. I never wanted, wanted to be opinionated in a way that I'm telling you what to do or you as in, in general, general people. I wanted to share what I have, what it tasted like and you decide if you want it or not. And I think for fashion, the it's even more, I mean food is visually appetizing thing. It's hard to you know have a podcast about food, but of course it's doable. Um, and maybe that's where the YouTube video where you have the recording of the podcast comes in. Fashion is purely, if you were to describe a sandal with, you know, for someone who does not know what gladiator sandals that even means, like gladiator, how does that make, it's hard to really put that um, into words and when you're mixing and matching, I think the visual component is, it becomes really important and of course you need someone to actually genuinely, superficial or not, you need to look decent, <laughs> more than decent in the clothes that you like or would like to wear. Um, and also, of course, to be appealing. I mean, sex is a big part of the fashion industry, and that's why there's modeling agencies. That's why you have to, you know, be attractive, or you have to have a, have to have a certain look. So, I, you know, I haven't really thought about what that is. I've always, like, I think many people have. They grew up, you know, liking fashion. I was always sketching and illustrating fashion items mm -hmm. when I was younger. I don't remember this, but there's pictures of me doing that. So I think it's become maybe almost a full circle where my interest is now peaked and I'm aware of that interest. But whether if it's something that I would just want to have as part of whatever it is I, that I do or I actually want to actively speak on fashion, I don't know. I don't know if I'm in really in the right place to. It's like a chef. You're not a chef, but you talk about how this could, have been, you know, you should have added this and that. It's a right. So, so have you thought? Okay, so I want to show people how I'm consuming fashion, or what my eyes are seeing as I buy it, and what I like. Yeah. I, I understand your personality isn't probably. I've just interrupted you. It isn't to say, oh, look at this god awful fashion coming out of Italy this spring for skirts mm -hmm. it would be look at this great find that i found exactly and i that's where the voice really comes in there are, there's a page called diet prada which really speaks on designer knockoffs where this designer is exposing designers of things that they should not be saying say dolce and gabbana making racist ads and they really call in their power it's it's incredible they they really almost shut the brand down yeah and um and the power is there, but for, I think, as when you're that sassy type of person and you have that personality to 
carry that. I, I don't think I do. I can, I make jokes and I make fun of things, but I, I it's never out of like a core sort of I want to or I need to. So um, for me, it's really, I think fashion is part of the, what makes the visual picture more appealing. Mm -hmm. It could be interior design, but you have a piece of clothing in it and it becomes more than fashion. It becomes more of a style or how the society is moving towards say um, crop tops are now acceptable, but I'm not really speaking on the fact that it's acceptable. I'm just showing it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So is this is this something that you have to get comfortable with, or you have to think about more? Um, uh, you know, I do think that again. I've always just started without being ready, and that's how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'll ever be ready. It is. But you are ready. You have followers. You um, can take photos, and you. Look good in photos, and you. No, um, and you know how to you know how to create the content, and you know how to capture it, and you know how to express it. You know how to get it to a crowd market. I yeah I I mean not yeah as in I agree with you, but it's yeah as in yes it does sound like I have all the tools readily available in front of me. I think I mean a big part of it's fear. I don't want people to think. I'm trying to... You think you're so pretty, you can just jump into fashion. Oh, that too, yes. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. And, um, I mean, I have co-workers who follow me, and I know they talk about it, and I know that's, you know, people say, oh, you're asking for it, though, since you're still posting about this stuff. But mm -hmm. it's weird when, you know, you go to work, and people go, oh, my gosh, I saw this picture of you in front of a meeting, and, and I mean, that's not appropriate at all, at all, but... It sort of instills this. <laughs> it was three o'clock in the morning and I liked your photo. I mean, it doesn't, it's just not relevant to anything. And yeah. you get a little self, you can't help but get a little self-conscious. And not, of course, and when it comes to insecurity, it's a little hard to get started. And uh, it doesn't help that I don't really know exactly what I'm really doing. Not that I ever really did. I think I've just kind of said yes and I just did it. And I just, I, I guess I'm scared that I'm, won't do the job or something, or I... Yeah. I think fashion is probably a very closed industry, too. They don't it, want newcomers. It is. I mean, you mean, sorry, you mean the... Um... Well, I'll, I'll tell this. I'll share the story in a minute about yeah. my effort to help you, but... Oh. But it's probably closed. Like, you know, it's, it's so lucrative and so uh, almost... It's so upscale that they don't want new ideas are new they don't want to change it too fast because yeah. the, basically the money will be split between more and more people for me and i don't think i told you this for me instagram has always been a means to an end for me it's never been that i'm my goal here is to be instagram famous my goal here i mean i didn't think that when i started my pure goal was i'm gonna help if i get a thousand followers i'm gonna post the crap out of this restaurant that my friend opened i didn't think about how we get advertised and products or I get PR packages sent to me I never you know that's not something you ever really think about of course when that happened you or you know you hope to have more of those opportunities um, but I've always thought of it as I want it to be oh the doctor out yeah I'll text her okay um, I never thought of it to be something that I would just stay on it was I want to make conversations then you know what? I'm gonna bring up Instagram or fashion 
I'm really keen to understand the ins and outs of the industry and fast fashion and how we can make things more sustainable and especially after learning about learning many more facts after the project with the UN and that became like a how can we all collectively do our parts so um, it's really more so how can I just get started and as a foot in versus be this fashion connoisseur or whatever connoisseur said that really weird Connoisseur. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, the slight interruption there was um, my neighbor's dogs are outside running around. And they've been running around for two or three minutes. So I just text and say, hey, do you need some help? So, um, yeah, so it wasn't a means to an end. So you, I guess what you have is you have these skills. You develop skills. You know, you are, you are I would say, probably have the skills... And abilities of a professional photographer. Barely, but thank you. <laughs> okay, I'm going to uh, pause our. Okay, so we're back, segment four uh, with Grace Pan. Just diving into the deep brain, the deep levels of experience and interest that Grace Pan has. It's always so much fun to talk to her. That's very nice. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so, where we left off was. What I wanted to say and get your ideas or your responses, you have these skills, you have the ability to take a photo or at least have a professional or someone who wants to take a photo and instruct that person on how to take photos and what they're trying to capture and you have the ability to uh, understand metrics and how to uh, gather followers and give them what they want. Um, you have a, like a 35,000 view of how to work with agencies. 3,500 foot 35, view? 35,000 foot view? What, did I say 3,500? I don't know what you said. What's 35,000? 35,000 foot view. So that is, you're in an airplane. You can see the big oh. picture. They fly at 35,000 feet. When you're working the day-to-day -day in the trenches, you're at like front oh. lines. I could have said 3,500 foot view because I've already said August long weekend. I think I, this is a topic that I'm going to do on my, in my podcast myself, just for my own exploration. I'm going to be Malcolm Gladwell. I think I have a disease, a mental problem. With pronouns. And I know I've read this about George W. Bush. Okay. He would mess up pronouns. Like? What's an example? May for August. Okay. Wife for sister. Daughter for son. Him and her. Like he'd say, I was at her house last night. And he meant, I was at her house eating his food. Like he, he would mix up all his pronouns. Okay. It's a mental condition. It's like a, a synapse in your brain, I think. I need to look at this. Because I opened the podcast by saying, it's the August long weekend here. And I know it's not the Oxlade well, we weekend. We all do that when it's we're in 12 yeah. degrees. But I wasn't really nervous. I think I just disengaged from my brain for a bit. I don't know. It's weird. I'm going to look this up. Okay. Side. <laughs> Back to on the rails. <laughs> so you have these skills that aren't common, that aren't plentiful. And on top of it, you're a genius. I. Okay. Wow. We should do this so, more often. Um. Oh, I, I think if you measured your IQ, it would be off the charts. I... And whatever deficiency you have is because English isn't your first language, generally. I mean, what did you just ask me? 35,000 foot view. Like, I mean, that is a... Most people who have are educated and are to your level would know what a 35,000 view is. Or maybe is. it's just a term that your generation My generation, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but that's a good example. I say things like a 35,000 foot view and you're like, what? So you have these skills, abilities, interests, 
Um, really, and, and like a, a perspective that is right on the it's right on the front lines of today's media and business. And so you've talked about fashion, whether you be a wearer of fashion, otherwise known as a model, or a reviewer of fashion. Mm-hmm. And so do you want to be, do you want to take your, your account and profile to like phone knows Prada or the devil knows phone? No, I'm staying away from the phone name. No, you know what I mean. Like, are you taking your your the, the device that you carry in your hand to fashion and do it through the phone and through Instagram and do it through social media, or do you want to be a, a influencer in the sense that I'm look at this is my what I'm wearing to brunch today, a cute little crop top and some capri pants, combined with some sandals, all that I got on Amazon. I Instagram is gonna be always gonna be my means to an end. I'm always going to use Instagram as almost a business card. Instagram would love to hear that. Like, it's your... That's it's your... not my destination. Okay. I started with a means and end when I started to make conversation with people and to network with people out of school. Everybody's going to be talking about their internships, and I didn't really go the traditional internship route, so I wanted to talk about something else. And now it's... Not really a means to become this fashion influencer who put in, by the way, those are, that's to add to the list of cringy things on Instagram. Oh, for sure. Um, but I see it as fashion is a way to be respected. If you have a label on yourself, you appeal to a certain, or you get into a certain um, social class. And if you can show that you understand it, people could perceive it as, oh, she could also understand it. So say, if one day I were to become a full-time talent manager, I want to show that I know what looking good looks like. And if I can make myself, who is not, I think I look average, a person look decent, then I can make someone who looks way better look a thousand times better. Yeah, you'd be able to brand them. And that's exactly how I got my first job or how I got my first corporate job too. Um, is showing that if me as a little person can have this audience, then if you're a brand, a big brand, you don't have that. You are not doing something right. So it's never really going to be my, you know. So you want to take you want to take it to your interest is being at thirty five thousand feet. You don't want to be the person. Yeah, saying, I use Instagram to learn the platform and to. You can't know user behavior unless you can read so many reports about trends and um, the way people consume. But if you're not using it, you're not investing time in it. You don't know what likes mean. You don't know what shares mean. I usually, I mean, I'm taking mental notes when I'm sharing something with somebody. I'm like, what made me share this with my friend? Or why didn't I share this with this friend, but the other one? Which picture when I share it, do I add a message? And which ones do I not add a message? How can I recreate something that people won't want to just send to people? So you need to start the Grace Pan Agency. The GPA. Yeah. Doesn't get more even than that. So I think you've answered to me what you really want to do. You should. So you should do it. Have an agency. Yeah. Because you have this these skills that um, the the, um, the food chain, the business food chain need. So that is content creators people who are going to wear fashion and the people who are going to consume it and the people who are the advertisers who want to reach audiences. 
You're in, you're in a great position. I mean, you're in a great position anyways, but. Great. That's, uh, yeah. That, this has been, I, I mean, this has been really good for me. I, I don't, I'm sure it has been of no use to you, but. Hopefully, um, has been good for you. your audience, uh, my audience, uh, has enjoyed the conversation. And, uh, uh, was at least okay with me interrupting you. <laughs> um, you should add the, um, if you'd like to find out more, you can find, you can find Brian at, at twobanks1 <laughs> on Instagram for more information. This is the Listen Here podcast at oh. Two Banks One. That's right. Tune in in however long you're going to do the next one. When Weekly. Oh, we should get into that. Yep. And so, what else? We'd like to thank uh, Stacy and Kyle for taking over the reins quickly without much notice from Sally. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank So welcome back to the final segment. I have Grace in studio again as we say goodbye to her on this rainy Monday of a long weekend. I really enjoyed that, Grace. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. And she really gave me some good tips uh, off camera, off mic. So uh, if anyone wants to reach out to me with ideas or answers or point out any mistakes that I've made, I can be found at TwoBanks1 on Twitter or TwoBanks1 on Instagram. It's the easiest way. Uh, we hope to make this a weekly podcast. I'm going to need some feedback from our, our listeners on uh, things they'd like to listen to. And I need to do some research on how to do some telephone interviews. But with that, I'll thank you for listening. And uh, have a good rest of the weekend and a good week as you listen to this podcast. Bye for now. <laughs>